is the Let's Life Well podcast. A podcast helping you to reach your health and wellness journey, bringing you easy to digest information on current wellness topics. All right. This is the How Do You Live Life Well podcast. I am your host, JM, and I have here with me Dr. Jeannie Sykes. Uh, Jeannie, can you describe or explain uh, what your role is at Cone Health? I'm a registered dietitian and I'm on the faculty here at Family Medicine Center for our Family Medicine Residency Program. So I teach both patients and our physicians. Awesome, awesome. So yes, Jeannie actually is a great asset to our wellness team. So I'm really proud and excited about this particular episode. Uh, this is the first part of our uh, Wellbeing Month podcast um Jeannie will also be on the second portion so this portion is about the truth about carbohydrates so we'll get into that and then the second portion will be on osteoporosis prevention tough as bones so yes Jeannie all right we're talking about carbs today can you tell us what are the three food components that provide our bodies with energy sure well I think this is pretty familiar to most people protein fat and carbohydrate each provide energy, which we measure in the form of calories. Of course, um, carbohydrate is an umbrella term for different types of those um, macronutrients, we call them. And we have starch, sugar, and fiber. Now you'll recognize over on the left, some sources of starch, bread, potatoes are ones that we commonly think of. We also have sugar, which we know we get a lot of in sodas and sweet drinks. Even fruit juices, of course, provide a lot of sugar. Certainly desserts and candy, things like that, a lot of sugar. <laughs> and then fiber we get in most fruits and vegetables. Um, dried beans and peas, split peas, all the legumes offer a lot of fiber um, as well. Now, I want to point out that most foods are made up of a combination of these different carbohydrate components. So even though we don't think of fruits and or especially vegetables as being sources of carbohydrate, they do have small amounts of carbohydrate in the form of starch and fiber. Um, sugars certainly have some natural sugar as well as fiber and some starch. All right. Awesome. So I understand that we probably get a lot of carbs in our diets. Um, what led to an increase in carbs in the diet that we eat today? What led to that? Well, we could probably go back as far as the 1960s when wow. in the medical community, uh, it started being um, known that there is a connection between what we eat and our health, our, it, it started being more widely acknowledged, let's say, and the dietary fat link to cardiovascular disease was being researched and talked about. And so the medical community started recommending that we reduce our dietary fat. And so that's what we did. And the food industry was very happy to jump into the fray and offer us all kinds of low-fat and non-fat food products, one of which might look familiar to people who were around. I think they still make these, but but they were <laughs> kind of 
an emblem of the fat-free craze that hit us in the 90s. And so, you know, the question is, how'd that work out for us? Well, one of the things we dietitians started seeing was that people felt that they had license to eat the whole thing or a lot of these products that had no fat because that started to be synonymous with must be good for me. It's fat free. Um, we now know differently. Um, and actually, um, what we saw through the 90s was that as fat increase or fat intake decreased, carbohydrate intake increased. Now you think about it, we have fat, carbohydrate, and protein. If you mm -hmm. decrease one of those three food components, you're going to see a rise in one of the others. So it was Makes kind sense. of a natural uh, occurrence, let's say. All right. So, Awesome. Okay. So how does the quality of food affect how we metabolize carbohydrates? Well, this, I think, is an unappreciated um, part of, of what's happened to our food and how it affects our health in the last several years. Now, um, just bear with me. I'm, I'm not going to be talking a lot <laughs> of uh, biochemistry or even chemistry here, but but just to, to look on the far left, you have one glucose molecule. You string a bunch of them together and you get starch. But you'll see, we have two types of starch up there, amylopectin and amylose. Um, they're different shapes. We, uh, the glucose is strung together in different ways to make these multi-molecular um, substances called starch. And so amylopectin is very, easily broken down or more easily broken down than amylose. Now you can see this has branch chains off of it of different, and, and this is just a snippet of the molecule of that starch I've, I'm showing here. Amylose is, looks like it's simple because it's just a straight line, but it is also twisted into what we call a helical form and that looks something like this. It's kind of a spiral upward or downward. And because of its shape here, it is harder for the enzymes in our gut to get into all of those bonds between molecules and break them apart. So if you have a food, a starchy food, that has a greater proportion of amylose than amylopectin, this food with a with more amylose will be slower to break down. That matters because it means it's not going to raise your blood sugar level as quickly or maybe as much. So uh, the on top of the natural differences that we have here in starches, um, and let's keep in mind that most starches are going to be, maybe all starches are going to be made up of a combination of these two, just different proportions. But besides that, the natural differences, the food industry in modern times has learned ways to make dramatic changes in starch molecules so that they can manipulate the starch and make things like cheese puffs or puffed cereals. And so what happens with that kind of processing is it's almost like some of the starch is pre-digested. Like some of these molecules, the bonds are actually broken 
And so it is much more rapidly uh, broken down and absorbed. And why this matters is if you have a highly processed starchy food, it's actually completely absorbed into the system higher up in the small intestine. Why that mm. matters is if the food reaches further down in the small intestine before being absorbed by the body, then it stimulates certain hormones that send signals to the brain and say, we're done, we're satisfied. And so you end up missing out one component of food satiety or food satisfaction telling us that we're not hungry anymore if you eat a diet that's very high in highly processed carbohydrates that are essentially a little bit pre-digested. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> oh, and I want um, to mention sugar. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So the American Heart Association <laughs> recommends that we limit our added sugars. That is just anything that is added in food prep or processing um, to, as you can see, 25 grams a day for women, 37 and a half grams per day for men. And that's what it equals in teaspoons per day. Um, and, and that was, I think, from 2009 when the American Heart Association first came out with a recommendation because they recognized that sugar, as we all know, is called an empty calorie type of food ingredient because it just gives us calories. It doesn't come along with nutrients otherwise. And you think about sugar content, for example, of sodas. And so this is if you're looking at a 12 ounce can, but an average 20 ounce soda today is going to deliver a whopping 70 grams of sugar. Wow. And that far exceeds what is recommended for added sugars, of course. All right. Awesome, awesome information there. Um, so, Jeannie, obviously, we want to um, have the best type or the high quality carbs, right? So, what are some guidelines to help ensure that we get an appropriate amount of high quality carbs? Well, these are, I want to say, not from the American Heart Association, not from the Academy <laughs> of Nutrition Dietetics. They are what I call Sykes's gar uh, carbohydrate guidelines. Um, but I will give you my take on what we can do to introduce the best kinds of carbs and relatively limited amounts. We don't wanna cut carbohydrate out of our diet. Again, does it make intuitive sense to you to look at the three kinds of macronutrients, protein, carbohydrate, and fat, and eliminate one? That to me does not make sense. So here are my guidelines increase our preparation of foods at home. And when we dine out, I'm not saying don't dine out. I mean, restaurants are great. They're fun. They're enjoyable. They're um, convenient. And um, sure, go to restaurants, get takeout, but do it mindfully so that it is not just um, most of our meals. Consume carb foods earlier in the day. One of the things we know now, and I guess it's been known for the last at least 10 years, um, is that as we get closer to bedtime, and this is assuming that you're on sort of a normal uh, sleep cycle that is through the night, um, our 
insulin sensitivity decreases. So we don't handle carbohydrate quite as well late, late in the day as we do early in the day. And that's because the body is gearing up for sleep, shouldn't need a whole bunch of insulin late in the day because we don't need a lot of calories late in the day. So consume not, I'm not saying don't eat carbohydrate at dinner or even a bedtime snack from time to time, but I'm just saying the bulk of carbohydrates should come earlier in the day. And if you're concerned about blood sugar control, if you have prediabetes, if you have diabetes, or if you feel like you're at risk for diabetes, which includes most of us, <laughs> then maybe you wanna take a walk after your biggest meal of the day. Now, I'm not saying go do a high intensity workout right after your biggest meal of the day. That's probably not a smart thing to do either. But, um, and I will say just a little caveat here, if you have not exercised for a long time, you've been sedentary, please get the blessing of your physician before you do any exercise, particularly after a big meal. But just a moderate intensity, like you can still hold a conversation easily enough, a walk around the neighborhood is a great way to prevent your blood sugar after that big meal from really spiking and getting very, very high. So, you know, it, even if it's organic, it's a cookie um, that's still a highly processed food. And so the words organic, the words, uh, the word natural may not mean a whole lot in terms of how your body's going to handle that incoming carbohydrate. It still has a lot of sugar if it's something like a dessert. Um, so also, and this is uh, familiar to most of my patients, we strongly recommend here at Family Medicine Center that people use what we call the plate method for planning lunch and dinner. And that is half the volume of the meal comes from vegetables, maybe vegetables and fruit, one quarter from protein sources and roughly one quarter from starch sources. Now, sometimes people say to me, but portion size, how much should I have? And I just tell them if Assuming you're not using the 13 inch dinner plate, but more like at maybe a nine inch luncheon plate, you don't really have to worry about portion size if you're following these proportions. So um, this is just a very good guide. Um, most people find it easier to do at dinner. It takes a little bit more work and thinking because we're not so used to doing this at lunchtime. Look at lunch meetings, for example, what is served. Often it's going to be a sandwich with, no, there's not a salad on the side. There are chips, more carbohydrates, and more poor quality carbohydrates. And then think about what you're drinking. Water is our body's preferred source of fluids. So that should be what we're drinking most of through the day. And I really believe that beverages are a huge part of the reason Americans are less healthy than we would like to be. So really think about what you're drinking. Um, and then last couple of points here, increase whole real food, decrease use of highly processed food. The way I define highly processed food is whatever you cannot, absolutely cannot replicate in your kitchen. If you look at a food ingredient label and you see a lot of words that 
you don't recognize. I mean, you don't even know what they are, much less how you would get a hold of them. Then probably that's a food you can't make in your kitchen. I mean, I don't know how to make cheeses, right? And the difference between following through with your good intentions or not is probably going to come down to planning. So you don't have to plan your meals and you certainly don't have to plan out 21 meals per week at the beginning of the week. But if you do some level of planning, your week will go more smoothly and it will be probably a lot closer to what you intend for it to be. So those are my recommendations. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeannie, um, for covering a wealth of information in like less than 15 minutes. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're coming to the end of our episode, but usually when we invite someone new, we ask them the blitz questions. All right, Jeannie, are you ready? All right. First question. What is your favorite food? Favorite food? You know, I have so many favorite foods, so it might depend on the day you ask me. Uh, <laughs> however, however, I often have been heard to say, I live for local peach season. Really? You know, it <laughs> a short part of the year, but I really love peaches when they're ripe and they yeah. eat local because when you get ones that are shipped in, they're picked unripe, they're shipped in from who knows where, and they're just never as good. But boy, I love peaches. I would have never known that, Jeannie. Um, so that leads me to, what is your favorite drink? Well, I don't want to confuse most frequent versus favorite. Most frequent is <laughs> water. I start every day with about 16 ounces of water. And uh, a practice that I started many, many years ago when I, you know, truly didn't drink enough water. And then I was pregnant with our first daughter, first child, and, and they harp on that importance of water. So I started that practice. All right. So I drink a lot of water, um, but probably my favorite drink is a good, either an amber or a porter beer. <laughs> awesome, and, awesome. You know, I don't I don't have one every day. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> All right. Um, so tell us one thing most people do not know about you. Actually, both of those things that you just said, I didn't know, but tell us one more thing. <laughs> uh we just haven't gone out for a beer together. We haven't. We have to no. do that. All right. So um I I think most people probably don't know that when I graduated from college, and let's face it, I'm old. This was 1976, bicentennial year. Um, a friend from college and I rode our bicycles from Washington State to Vermont. We went west to east because we knew that the prevailing winds were in that direction. And yeah. uh, so it was just a great experience. We camped out most of the time. We did um, get to some farmer's property and we would time it so we arrived late in the day and we would ask if we could pitch our tent in their yard. And <laughs> lots of times they're looking at two uh, 20 and 21 year old right. girls, young women. And um, 
they would invite us in for dinner, which was, I have very memorable, um, wonderful memories of some of those farm dinners with homemade this and homegrown that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and often they would give us a bed. We didn't even sleep in our tent on those nights. Oh, wow. So would I recommend this to anyone today? Would I want my daughter doing this? No. And we would call home collect every two weeks to make sure our parents knew we were alive. Yeah, so this is definitely a different time now. <laughs> I would recommend it now. But that's awesome though. <laughs> so you you definitely have an adventurous side, right? Uh well, used to anyway. Not used to, sure okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. So this is the end of this episode. Jeannie, I really thank you for doing this. Um, please, everyone, uh, if you're listening, stick around for the second part where we'll talk about osteoporosis pre uh, prevention um, on the Tough as Bones episode. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.